Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where we take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you would like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the Bible in a Year reading plan. We also have PDFs available on our website, grove.church. And as usual, as you have questions that come up as you're listening to us or maybe as you're reading along in the scriptures as well, uh, we would love for you to send those questions in if you would like us to, to banter back and forth about them, uh, have conversation about them. There's two ways you can send in those questions to us. The first is an email. Uh, you get The address is to info at grove.church, info at grove.church. Put in the subject line a Let's Read the Bible podcast question, or you can direct message our Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington State, and you can DM us there, and we will get those questions and be able to answer them uh, as much as we can week over week. So we'd love for you to send them in. All right. Well, today we are talking about First Peter, the letter of First Peter. It's going to be a good time, and as far as resources that we're using, it is the ESV Study Bible, Logos Bible Software, Reformation Study Bible, The Essence of the New Testament, a survey by Elmer L. Towns and Ben Gutierrez and the New Testament in its World by N.T. Wright and Michael F. Bird. So... Sticking on, we're sticking in the New Testament for a while because yes. we did we did so many of the minor prophets. I've been feeling like okay, we need to balance this out a little bit. So, yeah. uh, and but, the New Testament books are shorter, so it's true. Uh, so we hit them a little quicker, especially right now as we're winding down, which is crazy to think we're winding down the reading plan this year. Uh, we are in November; it's going to end here soon. We're going to have a new one starting in January, but uh, it, it, they they are a little shorter now at this point yeah. in the in the game. Wi- so we're winding down season three. Whew. Crazy, it's talk. been a while. Alrighty, well. First and second Peter, I thought this was interesting when I was reading through it. It's one of those things that you know, but it it doesn't really click with you until you read it. Um, these are the only direct words we get from Peter in the whole Bible. Yeah, right. Because everything else is stories about Peter mm-hmm. or like people writing down like, oh, and then Peter said this, but you can you understand that that's kind of like an edited version of whatever he actually said. Yeah. Um, first and second Peter are the only times in the whole of scripture that we hear directly from Peter. So pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, especially considering he is like the main, I guess you can call him the main disciple, like maybe John, but in the gospels, I, I think Peter is probably understood to be- If the, not the main disciple, he's definitely like the one that looked that way because he's also the loudest. Yeah, front and center. He, he's the one that, he's the, he's the boldest, we'll say it that way. Yeah. So it's interesting idea there. Uh, Peter's first letter seems to be written in the early 60s, right That's before... 1960s. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right right, uh, right in the midst of the Cold War. Uh, <laughs> no, so in the early 80, like 60, so... AD, yeah. The first 60s, uh, right before Nero's persecution of the church began. I should mention really quick, just because I thought it was interesting, but there's a little bit of controversy about one of the arguments that First Peter might not have actually been written by Peter hmm. is... Um, because the Greek in it is really good. And saying like, if he's a farmer, not a farmer, if he's a fisherman, a fisherman yeah, from Israel, like why would his Greek- uh, Be so good. And then it is in the the Rite and Bird book that they actually brought up. Well, he's from Bethsaida, which the populations were pretty evenly mixed, Greek and Hebrew. Yeah. And so they're talking about like, no, it actually makes perfect sense that he would be really fluent in Aramaic and Greek. And like, and it's not like this high, like academic Greek that's written. It's just, yeah. w- it's just well-spoken Greek. And yeah. it's like, no, like makes perfect sense that he would have grown up communicating in both languages. So, Which but, I think is so rad to even have that, that part of the conversation. And because it is, sometimes it is easy to have a speculation brought up. And, and I know, I think we're jumping into some weeds that most people don't jump into, but to be able to have like, well, why is he speaking so well if he's, you know, Jewish? The reality is like that simple statement, like he was in a place where there's, he would have to probably speak both. 
um, to a because he was a fisherman, which right. means he was a, a, a salesman by trade. So he had to be able to speak and communicate with people from both from both cultures and both languages. So well, it's funny with all of the things that Rome kind of does. Um, a few of the things that the 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 infrastructure of the Roman Empire is a huge reason why Christianity was able to spread as quickly as it yeah. did. And part of that is like census data that we have. So we can actually look back and see like demographics of people, um, but also like the road system yeah. and things like that. It's it's pretty... Yeah. When Rome jumped on the scene, it it is it is a very good thing historically for us. Yeah. Um, today, not just biblically, but also culturally too, because of the, the systems they established, which was just brilliant. Yeah. As we see all throughout scripture, God rises up empires. And even if they are doing evil, they will serve his purposes. Yep. So speaking of Rome, uh, that is probably where Peter was writing this from. He's mentions that he's writing from Babylon. So there's a few different arguments. Um, there's, I don't think anyone is thinking that's the Babylon, but it would be, uh, There's a, there was a town in Babylon. I think it was in the north of Israel, like the northeast of it, that they're saying maybe he was at. There was a Babylon in Egypt, which is modern day Cairo, which maybe he was writing from. Um, there's not a lot of evidence that Peter ever went there. And so what most people interpret it as is he's writing in Rome, but he's symbolically referring to it as Babylon. Yeah. So in other words, a place where just like in the exile, Babylon is where power was centered. Yep. And it was kind of this almost godless place where the Jews were driven to. Mm-hmm. Rome is where power is centered, and it's this kind of godless place that Christians are now spreading yep. to. So anyway, uh, but it doesn't super matter. No. <laughs> but anyway, in case you're curious about it. Uh, Peter's writing to churches located in modern day Turkey. So when we talk to the regions, they're all located in what was then called Asia Minor, what's today called Turkey. Yeah. Uh, and then as far as the outline for today goes, we're going to use the one that uh, N.T. Wright and Michael Bird use. So Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. I think that's our first time actually using one of their outlines. I think you're right. Normally we use the... Because the, we like the alliteration. The but, yeah, it's true. But they just weren't that great this time. All right. Well, as always, with the opening greetings, we're just going to read it because they're so short. So it opens up with uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion of Pontus, uh, in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience of Jesus Christ, and for this, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So there you go. That's it. Uh, yep. Peter's establishing that he this has- This is who a, I am. Yep. This is where I'm coming from. I have, I am who I say I am. And like I said, all those regions are in modern day Turkey. Yep. All right. Section two, uh, God's salvation in Jesus Christ. This is chapter one, verse three through chapter two, verse 10. Uh, so Peter begins with a absolutely fantastic gospel presentation, uh, which we're just going to read for you here. So this is three, uh, sorry, verses three through 12 in chapter one. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the te- so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor and revelation at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with the joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, 
inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which the angels long to look. Okay, so that's really long, but it's also like, it's this really systematic telling of, um, to work backwards, I suppose, from where it ends. He's saying, the prophets of the Old Testament, they were prophesying for you hmm. today. Modern readers, or not modern readers, but when Peter's writing yeah. in Turkey, he's saying that the, what they were prophesying about is the coming of Christ, that all these things that we have, the salvation of our souls, the inexpressible joy that we have, these are because of the work of Christ. So I think it's just, yeah, it's just a really great presentation. I think a lot, a lot of the pastoral letters or I shouldn't say pastoral letters because those are the Timothy and Titus ones, but and second and third John. But um, the letters written by apostles, they a lot of them contain this pure gospel presentation, yeah. and you get you also get the idea that even really early in the church history, they're having problems with false teachers popping up yep. and almost almost immediately yeah, too, and perverting it. And so they're they're always wanting to remind people, this is what you believe. Yep. This is the gospel. Let's move on. Yeah. So there you go. Well, I think it's important too, like sometimes it's really easy and this is just more of a practical side note, but when you read through a passage like this, it's really it's really hard to stay focused on what's happening because he uses so many words, so many commas, and he doesn't complete a thought because he just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. But it's important in those moments, like slow down and really kind of capture what he's actually saying, which then deepens and enriches the gospel conversation that he's having. Because he is he's laying the foundation for his audience don't forget this. This mm -hmm. is the, one of the most important pieces of the whole thing. And then out of that, you'll see, and this happens across all the epistles, he then launches into exhortation and direction. But um, read stuff like this slowly, read, especially when it it's seems true. like it's dragging on and on. P Paul does the same thing. Peter speaks in a way that sometimes you have to, you have to slow down and read along with it. So just a side note. So there you go. Uh, most of this letter can kind of be described as how do we live in light of the gospel? Yep. And so it's kind of, and I love this section too, because it bookends with two gospel presentations. Mm -hmm. uh, so after he does this, he talks about, just like in Paul's letter to Titus, he reminds the, his readers that they need to be sober-minded, which is something that's used all the time across a lot of the, a lot of the letters that are giving advice to how Christians should behave. And which I think is, hey, that's a really good reminder for us today. It's that so as, true. As Christians, we should not be just driven by the wind, flying off at the handle, but we need to be calm and collected. Yeah. One of the things I'm going to say this real quick is, um, this is a resource that we didn't put on the list because I, I read it this morning and forgot to say something. Oh my goodness. Uh, but from, again, my favorite commentary right now is preaching the word. Uh, but one of the things it talks about is this idea of after this gospel presentation, Peter, um, he, he it says this, I'm just going to read it. It says, Peter begins to establish answers to some pending questions. In light of these present trials, how are Christians supposed to bear witness to Christ's glory? Another question, how are we to live in the world and live in this wilderness world? Um, and then he builds this case and we'll see it throughout the book itself as we do jump into these different categories and different breakdowns in the outline. Uh, but I do, I love the fact that it is like these two questions that I think are very big. Like how do we, how do we bear witness to Christ's glory in, in the midst of the suffering and persecution we face or the trials we face? How do we do that? And Paul or Peter talks about it. Um, and then the idea of like living in this world, um, what do we do? How do we do that? And so I think it's, it's fun for me to, to, to see Peter is addressing us today strategically and intentionally based upon the gospel that he just presented. 
this is how we do it. And this is what it looks like moving forward. So I just like those questions. Sometimes I think we, we wrestle with the fact, like these are questions I'm wrestling with. How do I honor Christ? How do I live for his glory in my, in the present circumstance? And I love the fact that, um, Kent Hughes, who's the editor of this commentary, he, he just points out not him, but the author, I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head. Uh, but he just points out a very simple thing. Like Peter's addressing these questions and scripture will address these questions. Sometimes we just have to stop and evaluate and actually assess what's going on. So, No, that's a great reminder. Well, it reminds me too, like the other thing I put in as far as similarities between Peter's letter and Paul's letter to Titus is this idea of keeping perspective on Jesus. Yeah, And that's another theme that's all throughout, but essentially... Um, like you said, like, is that where, is that where we're focusing? And then eventually the truth is going to be revealed there yeah. too. Uh, so in chapter two, Peter tells them not to practice and he lists off malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Um, and so these are essentially just things like P- Peter is in the same way that Paul was really concerned with how is the church perceived by non-believers. Peter mm-hmm. is also very concerned with this. Um, and I think it's something because the biblical writers are so concerned with this, it's something that we ourselves should also be concerned with. Okay, yeah. well, how... How are we as Christians perceived outside of the church? And some of that's beyond our control. Like there are some people who are just offended by the gospel and that's the way it's going to be. Um, but I think we don't do ourselves any favors as well. And so it's True. constantly watching, how are we acting? What's our character? Um, are we with our attitudes driving people away from yeah. the truth? Because that's never something you want to do. And then at the end of this section, he again reminds them because he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he's reminding them, don't do these things. Here's why. Yeah. Because you are chosen. You're set apart. Um, and I do think it's, it's cool that this is all language that was reserved for specifically the people of Israel, not many years before Peter's writing this. Yeah. And now it's it's shifted into language that is for those who put their faith in Jesus. Yeah. So cool deal. Uh, the next section is we're going to do God's people among the Gentiles. This is 2.11 through 4.11. Uh, so interesting, interesting points here. Uh, Peter is writing, I think Peter is sensing the tea leaves of what's happening. So he's probably writing this right before um, Nero's persecution. Re- and it, sorry, for, for those of you who don't know. So Nero was an emperor of Rome. Uh, he's uh, he's not the worst, but he's, he's boy, he's close. So, I mean, there's Caligula, so you can't, you can't <laughs> beat Caligula. But it's true. Uh, but Nero's like, he's top three. He's top three bad emperors. Um, he absolutely hates the Christians. There's the famous story about how he's uh, singing and playing his harp while Rome burns. So also not the most sane guy, yeah. but yeah. So just overall bad guy. He was really the author of the first great Roman persecution of Christians that would contri- that would continue under uh, is it Trajan and Diomedian something. This is when Evan is a there's a couple a, pretty much it's like Evanopedia instead of Wikipedia. This is Evan like no, he's just brilliant could, man. Like Wikipedia, I could be wrong. So, but there's there's other emperors that continue it. But Nero is really like the first one. Um, and then there's also almost assuredly persecution of Christians happening in the local churches there as well. So he's yeah. he's writing to them really in preparation for hey. Like this is coming. Like there's a the, being a Christian was not easy back then. No, and there's it's it's similar to place. There's places in the world right now where it is not easy to be a Christian. It's true, uh, we're very spoiled in. If you're listening to f- to this in America, yeah, or it's the modern West. Modern like, West, yes, we're very spoiled <laughs> yeah. when it comes to 
Um, like the worst we get for persecution is like some people calling us names, which yeah, isn't fun, but <laughs> there's people have it worse. It's true. It's <laughs> people true. have it worse. Uh, so Peter then turns to focusing on how Christians should behave in a world which is not, uh, which is persecuting them. Important reminders for a people who are about to be truly tested. Uh, he reminds them. So these are some interesting things. And again, this is also a similarity with Titus. He reminds them to be submissive to authority. Yeah. Um, and we we kind of talked about that a lot last last podcast. So we don't need to belabor it. But the whole idea is, um, how are how we treat those who are above us, even those who are mistreating us can lead them to Christ. Yeah. And so there is the whole conversation of like like governmental authority, but also like the servant versus master conversation as well. Um, and in the same vein, he tells uh, wives to live in basically a respectful submission of their husbands. And the whole idea there, and I love because he says right afterward, um, that they may be brought to faith by your actions. And so the whole idea there is like the way that you live and the way that you love can bring those people along the journey with you there. So, and then he tells husbands, that they're called to honor their wives, that they're called to respect their wives. And I think the reason he gives there is also really important because he says they are heirs of Christ's salvation, yeah. just like you are. And so I think- Which that's a big statement. Right. In Pe that culture, that's a huge statement. Yeah. Peter is absolutely living in a world where um, men are very much above women as far as like the hierarchy of leadership and, mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, and so when he's telling them like, no, like you are not, you're not above women. Like you're not better than women. You are co-heirs of Christ and you are called to respect and honor your wives. That's a huge statement. It's a very challenging statement too, culturally at this time. Even for us today. <laughs> like a reminder I, to But I don't think it's as big of a, a struggle for us today because I think we do have some clarity and understanding where there, the, the, the equality is a little bit more there. And I say right. this very carefully because I know that it's not always entirely true there, especially when it comes to workplace environments, pay structures, things like that. Um, and even the like, I, th I think there's certain things that still plague this culture that were similar to back then. And I think that's just a byproduct of sin. That's not a byproduct of culture. It's sin. Sin is, is sin is what elevates others against us uh, above each other. But we can't understand entirely how, how culturally challenging this statement is um, because Christ and Christ modeled this. That's the other thing too, is like, it's not like Peter's making a statement. This is how Christ lived his life. And Peter was firsthand watching it happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, that's why it is like, it is a huge statement by Peter to reaffirm this, but it was even more for Christ to model this and how he treated women, how he respected women, how he, he, he elevated women mm -hmm. um, within his circle, within his, within the, 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 the faith structure, within the church structure. There's a lot there. So uh, it just, it is a huge statement to understand. Like when, when Peter talks about this, it's not just one-sided women submit, but it's, it's men. Absolutely. Honor. Like they're co-heirs with Christ with you, which is a big deal. So, Well, then Peter moves on. He talks about, it's funny because we read this, I don't think we see it as the radical truth that it was, but in verses eight through nine of chapter three, it says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. So we see that today and we think to ourselves, you know, when our neighbor is just getting on our nerves, don't repay evil for evil. Yeah. Um, when I get cut off, don't repay evil for evil. Exactly. Either. This is not what Peter is talking. Peter yeah. is talking about. Those are good things. We shouldn't, we should not retaliate. Let's just right. be honest. But the, what Peter's addressing is, is far greater than that. Yeah. I guess that's a good point. Peter is talking about that, but he's talking about much more. Yes. <laughs> um, the, the persecution that the Christians were about to go through, they're, they're, they, people were going to be killed. They were going to be thrown in prison. They were going to be stripped of their livelihoods. 
horrible evil was going to be done to them. And Peter's saying, do not repay that evil yeah. with evil. Uh, and I'm reminded of one of my, one of the holidays that bums me out the most. And I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but um, St. Patrick's Day, because it's kind of just become this like- Wear green. Wear green, drink lots of beer, beer and, and be yeah. be vaguely Irish for a day. Yeah. Um, but his story- Says the guy who dressed up like a leprechaun one day. I did. For our church. And when passed we, out Lucky Charms. Yep. Um, but all of that, all of that aside, uh, the story of St. Patrick is truly incredible. And mm-hmm. he, he's a man who was living in Britain and Irish raiders came over and kidnapped him and brought him into slavery. And after working in slavery for years, one day he escapes and he makes his way back to Britain. He becomes a priest. And then he realizes that God is calling him to go back and to preach the gospel to the Irish. And it's it's crazy to me because he's so connected to Irish culture that you, most people are shocked to find out that St. Patrick is an Irish, like he's, he's English. It's like a whole, I mean, not English in the way that we think of yeah, it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He, lived in, he lived in Britain, at the, the, the Great Britain, the island. Um, and absolutely no one would have blamed him yeah. for hating the Irish the rest of his life. They had kidnapped him. They had taken him away from his home. Um, they held him in captivity against his will. And yet he goes back and he spends the rest of his life planting churches and preaching the gospel. That is repaying legitimate evil that yes. was done to him yes. with good. Um, and so I think, and that's what bums me out about St. Patrick's Day is we don't celebrate that. <laughs> uh, we just we just do other stuff. But Listen, we got to wear green so we don't get pinched. Okay, I guess. That's a big deal. And I don't know why, but it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So in, in the same vein, the Christians of this area that Peter is writing to are about to go through intense persecution. And he's telling them when evil is done to you, legitimate evil is done to you. Do not repay that. Do not hate them. Yeah. Preach the gospel, share Christ's love. Yep. Um, and then he even talks about, and we'll talk about this a little bit in the next passage as well, but um, Jesus suffered persecution. And now we as Christians are going to do the same thing. Yep. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful connection point to saying like, Hey, like God in the flesh was not above um, being persecuted. Yeah. And so we're going to share in that with him as well. Um, so that leads us to our next passage here. And this is like, this is the last little bit before the closing, but it's 412 through 514. And it's really just this idea of endure the coming persecution, endure what is coming. Yeah. Um, and so he gives, first he encourages the church and then he encourages the elders. So we'll talk about the church here for a second, but from 12 to 19 of chapter four, he says, Beloved, which is a classic Peter thing. It's true. Say, uh, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed, which I mean, just to pause for a second, that's a powerful statement. It's saying share in the, just like Jesus suffered, we will suffer and we should be glad that God will be glorified through that. Uh, if you were insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is as uh, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and it begins with us. And what will the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. 
So I also love this idea of when he says, do not suffer as a murderer, thief, or an evildoer, as a meddler, essentially he's saying, you know, when we talk, when I talk about suffering, I'm not talking about like you do bad things and then you suffer as a consequence of those bad things. He's talking about suffering as a Christian, suffering. Yeah. Um, so one of those things, but I do think it's a, that's a good little reminder there too. Um, but then he talks to the elders. And this, I think, is one of the more, uh, this is one of the more famous passages of First Peter. And he says, so I exhort, and sorry, this is chapter five. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Which, I, side note, do you know where I'm going with this? I know exactly where, where you're going. Where am I going? Exactly his, what Jesus reminded him. Yeah. Like when Jesus reinstilled and recalled, or not recalled him, but when Jesus, in essence, extended grace and forgiveness and restored Peter, it's the same picture. So he's he's taking what... It's, he's taking the challenge that he was given to do much the same thing and to pass on that exhortation as yeah. well. Yeah, Jesus reminds Peter, feed my sheep. And now- Dude, I perked up and, and I was like, I, I know, like, ah. it's, we gotta highlight that, so. Well, it's almost like the Bible connects in what? great ways. Mind blown. Uh, anyway, so shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Which that statement, dude, that verse too, I think a lot more leaders and pastors need to reread. Mm -hmm. Just saying, side it's, note. No, it's, it's true. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, shepherd there is capitalized because he's talking about Jesus. Uh, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Which reminds me of a song I knew as a kid, but... Anyway, that's an aside. Uh, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Oh, amen. yeah. Amen. <laughs> like that's, a, that's just a great part. Um, but yeah, it's this reminder of, to the elders of these are going to be really rough times Yeah, and you need to lead the people that God has given to your, to your care. You need to lead them well. Yeah. And I, yeah, like you said, I love the reminder of. Man, there's three or four verses in that were like, yeah, I need to make sure I have these like constantly on my mind. And in my heart as I'm leading and, and pastoring it and yeah. where God has called me to. So not for shameful gain, not under compulsion, not domineering people. It's like, yeah, as pastors, it's just one of those things where you're like, okay, good yeah. reminder, good reminder, Lord. <laughs> well, and I love, I mean, go back to the I would I would circle back to the very beginning, like this idea of how do we how do we honor Christ in in the world that we live in, our present circumstance and trials and in persecution and trouble, like and and Peter's calling us to the conduct. Like how do we how do we honor Christ? How do we if we live for him, how do we represent him? Well, it, it comes down to our consistency and our and our relationship with Christ, but also the character with which we engage each other. Um, and and that's what I think is so powerful about the the call and exhortation to the elders. And I would even say the call and the exhortation of Christians as well. Like there's just this call to understand we've got to remember Christ and what he came to do, how he modeled. And we've got to live under that humility and walk in that authority because it's 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 the only way that we're, we're able to endure uh, and, and stand firm in, in today's world and culture. Absolutely. Well, let's wrap it up here. 
He ends it and he says, uh, through Sylvanus, a faithful brother as I consider him, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and testify that this is the grace of God. Stand, stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon chosen together with you sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. Hey, John Mark, you know, he There's made a lot it. there. Boy. I'm glad he's back in. Good, good job, Mark. Uh, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. The end. The end. So, there and you that's go. First Peter. Yep, that's the whole. That's the whole kit and caboodle. So, a First Peter, not second, just first. That's true. So that's just the whole kit. Yeah, not the we'll caboodle. talk about the caboodle <laughs> at a different time. <laughs> Maybe next week we'll do Second Peter. I'm guessing that's oh, what's coming up. Who knows? So. We'll see. Alrighty. Well, anyway, uh, that wraps it up for another episode of Let's Read the Bible. But before we wrap it up. We do want to remind you to leave us a five-star review, just like... We would love it for you to do that, just like our friend, our new friend who left a review, Mrs. Pocojo. Uh, Pocojo, uh, however you say. Something like uh, that. But Ms., Ms. Pocojo. Uh, I just appreciate your, your comment. Thank you for the review. Uh, this is what she said. It said, listening prompts me to look into the word and continue the conversation with others. Thank you for sharing your hearts and the truth, all caps, beyond the walls of your physical church building. Uh, thank you for the review, and, and thank you for that, because we, we really do enjoy... Not just talking about the scriptures, but then the Bible, but wrestling through truth, because let's be honest, it's not the easiest thing uh, to always understand or even see bleed into our lives and play out in our lives. And so uh, I love the fact that you're able to be encouraged. I thank you for the encouragement back because uh, those are those are valuable pieces to this. So thank you for the review. Would love for you, if you're a listener, uh, to jump on and leave us a review. Uh, I, love, I love the encouragement. I love the challenge that it presents. And it reminds us that this isn't just about Evan and I, but it's about a community of of followers of Christ that are leaning in together uh, to wrestle through truth. So thanks for that so much. Yep. It really does help get the podcast out there to more people. And like we said before, um, if you leave a written review, we'll read it on the podcast just because, you know, that's the kind of guys we are. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> that being said, uh, we will see you all next week. Have a great day. 